you're talking about huge data chunks that would take forever to download. We're able to take that data, we're able to use it quicker, we're able to display it in near real time, if not real time. And again, the connectivity between not just grabbing that data, but the connectivity between devices. In IT, you always want things to be faster and 5G provides that. It's very exciting. Welcome to The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I've spent more than a decade really learning about technology, what makes it tick, and then describing and explaining that to my audience. But it's the conversations with the world's most unconventional thinkers, the leaders at the intersection of technology and business that fascinate me the most. In partnership with T-Mobile for Business, I explore the unique set of challenges that CIOs and CTOs face from advancements in cloud and edge computing, software as a service, Internet of Things, and of course, 5G. We are often left wondering how the leading minds in business continue to thrive. Let's find out. Our guest today is Ron Moskowitz, the Deputy Executive Officer and CIO of South Coast Air Quality Management District. South Coast AQMD is a government agency in California in charge of monitoring and reporting on air pollution in Orange County and the majority of Los Angeles, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. Ron's duties include supporting the technology needs for the entire organization and implementing solutions to provide improved service to stakeholders and citizens. Ron has an extensive history in the public sector, and as I found out, he and I have a lot of common experiences that fostered a love of technology in general, and more specifically, in using tech to solve big problems. Ron, thank you so much for joining us. And before we really dive into your approach to leadership, we'd like to get to know a little bit more about you. And one thing I'm always fascinated to learn about from my guests is how did you first get involved in technology? Thanks for having me. It goes back all the way to around 1980, and I was in sixth grade. There was a uh, doctor, and he donated an Apple II Plus to my classroom, and I saw there was a power button on the back of it, and I flipped it, and then I flipped the power button on the monitor, and all of a sudden, something came up. There was a disc inside already, so it said Adventureland game, and it said, what direction do you want to go? I typed in, go east, and it went on to the next part of the game, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. This computer was talking to me and I just, I thought it was magic. I was just drawn in ever since. And so years later, I was able to buy an Apple IIe. My two best buddies and I just sat and hacked away for hours at the machine. And we ran a number of bulletin board systems, and which is the precursor to the internet. And uh, I won't get into the confessions of a teenage hacker, but that's pretty much how I got into tech. <laughs> You're speaking to my very soul, Ron. <laughs> my background is very much like yours. I, too, had an Apple IIe. I, too, uh, was a – well, I was a frequent attendee of bulletin board systems. I did not run my own, but – that is really uh, exciting for me to hear someone who has that same sort of background. How did that transition to you deciding to make that a, a formal focus of study and further on your career path? Well, everything happened so organically back then. We didn't have really a lot of manuals or classes to study. And I was uh, around 18 
My mom's friend came over to our house. He was a realtor, and he said uh, he's having problems with his computer. And he said, Ron, I, I heard you know a thing or two about computers. Can you come and help me? I said, sure. So I go over to his office. I sit down, and it's an it's a, actually it's an IBM PS2, which I've never worked on an IBM before. I was a complete Apple guy at that point. But I figured, let me see what the manual says about it. What's the problem? And so I asked him a few questions, and, uh, and I sat down for about 45 minutes, and then I fixed the problem. And from then on, it just uh, catapulted my career. I started doing some odd jobs and uh, opened up a little consulting business and helped out doctor's offices and some manufacturers, mom and pop businesses. And so that's how my career started. Fascinating. Well, what brought you to South Coast Air Quality Management District? Well, it was a lot of working in government and figuring out where I wanted to be. I'm very fortunate that uh, I landed this job. When this job opened up, it was uh, it was really a dream to work for uh, an organization that is helping improve the quality of life of my community and the community around us. The job was right uh, in my alley as far as being a CIO. They needed somebody to come in to essentially, you know, help reshape the IT team. And uh, uh, I had that experience uh, from my previous uh, work in the government. Wow. Not only are you playing an important role in improving the lives of those in the community, you are also directly benefiting from that work as a resident and to come in with an opportunity to make a real impact as well. Can you talk a little more about that process of overseeing a transition of the IT department? What did that actually involve? When I came in, the guy before me was retiring. He didn't really know how to run an IT shop the way that you know, best practices dictate. And, and I have had the experience of running a, a number of government IT shops. So the staff, they didn't have the trust of the organization to deliver. It's not that they couldn't deliver. It's just they didn't have process standardization. They weren't given as much opportunity to really develop their professional skills. And, and communication was was horrible. So I came in, I sat down, talked to everybody, let them know, you know, number one, I have an open door policy. And I had a lot of people walk in and tell me everything from these people don't want to work with us to I don't know how to support this technology because I've never been trained on it, but, but we're required to support it. So I took all of that and I implemented a number of processes within our information management team, which is our IT team. And that is, number one, I made sure that everybody had the training that they need to have so they feel confident and comfortable in doing what they do. And I sent everybody off to uh, process standardization training so that we're all speaking the same language, so the application development team can talk to the network team, because they, everyone has to work together. But everybody has been trained and skilled in their own area. And so they don't appreciate or, or know really how to work sometimes with the other parts of, of IT. And then I also introduced project management to the organization so that all of our projects, they're thought of ahead of time. They're, they have a budget. They have approval from the stakeholders. Everyone knows what's to be delivered. It changed everything. It allowed us to be more successful. And with that success, the executive management, the division heads just started to realize this is a good team. We need to use them more. Because before I came, people, like I said, they had an IT solution. They didn't sometimes come to IT. They would try to do it themselves and whatnot. 
And our executive officer and I had a conversation. I said, listen, I need anything that's IT, I need it to run through my shop. If we can support it, we need to support it. So my executive officer was just fantastic. He's, he's supported me 100%. So you're absolutely right. And so now I've, everything comes through me. And because of the success that we've been able to deliver, we're really a trusted partner with the organization. Ron, you've really covered a lot of ground there and hit on some incredibly important things. The establishment of trust, the establishing of communication lines, the breaking down of silos of different departments where everyone is hyper-focused within and they don't really have an awareness of what's going on outside. All of these, I think, are absolutely key to running an effective department. Out of curiosity, how how large is your department? And what would you say to someone asking, Mel, what does your department do within the overall context of South Coast Air Quality Management District? Can you tell us a little more about that? Sure. So I have 57 staff members, some contractors that do some application support to enhance the team. But essentially, uh, we do application development, which is that we write apps for the organization. We, now, we do a very specific type of business in monitoring and pollution control. So a lot of our stuff, you're not going to be able to find off the shelf. That's why we develop them. Also have an operations team that handles the data center, our servers, our network, our help desk, database support and document management. I created a project management office. In turn, I've also created an IT steering committee. So there's a lot of transparency there. Also do public records. I've worked for a lot of governments and and, uh, I've done public records before where the public asks for information on this meeting or X, Y, and Z. And I've never had so many public records requests in my career. We Last year, we did over 4,500 public records requests, which is incredible. And then cybersecurity, which we didn't have before I came on board. But cybersecurity is a big deal, especially today. So I hired an, a very competent individual, and we're doing a lot to make sure that uh, our data is protected and the organization has the information they need. If there's one thing most businesses can agree on these days, it's that change has never come about so quickly. New ways of working have become the norm. As a result, the status quo no longer cuts it when it comes to helping businesses adapt and innovate. That's why T-Mobile for Business uses unconventional thinking to help businesses work smarter and grow faster. Only T-Mobile offers America's largest and fastest 5G network. It's just one reason they're better able to help businesses solve the real-world challenges they face as they evolve. For instance, their new WFX solutions help team members stay connected and productive where work happens. With nearly two and a half times the network coverage of AT&T, nearly four times more than Verizon, and $40 billion invested in network and business improvements over the next three years, T-Mobile for Business is better for your business right now and into the future. See what they can do for your organization at tmobile.com slash unconventional. Open Signal awarded T-Mobile fastest 5G network based on average speeds. USA 5G user experience report January 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See tmobile.com.
I think it's a good time now we'll transition over to really drilling down into your leadership philosophies and strategies. And you've already alluded to it about your previous experience in other leadership roles, including public offices. How have you leveraged your previous experience in the public sector to develop your current approach toward leadership? It really wasn't planned that I would work for so many counties and for the public sector, but it just kind of kind of happened. But I've certainly learned from each one of them. I started off at Orange County Healthcare Agency, and that's where I really cut my teeth on my technical skills. I learned how to navigate procurement and other government processes. And then I worked for the county executive office where, again, I learned to navigate the political environment because I had to deal with the board of supervisors and department heads. That's really where I learned to foster process standardization and formal project management. The district attorney's office, I learned to understand the business more intimately. I had to talk to a lot of attorneys, so I had to speak their language. That's important as far as leadership because, it, uh, you know, again, it gains the trust and opens that communication channel. And then my current job at South Coast has just been amazing. I'm able to now provide technical guidance and deliver almost every project and service successfully, which has really solidified the trust between my team and the rest of the district. And I'm, and I'm very lucky also to have the support of our executive officer and the governing board and the rest of the executive team. And my leadership style really comes down to providing or trying to achieve excellent customer service. My team needs to feel comfortable and confident in what they do and to know that I'm there for them. So I invest in their professional development. I give them opportunities to explore their technical skills. And so I basically do my best to build them up so they can shine. That that leads me to ask, have there ever been any sort of defining moments in your career that really helped shape this approach to leadership or or tested your approach to leadership? Yeah. So I will never forget. It's really kind of early in my in my government career. And it's what propelled me to CIO level. I think it was 2001, there was a virus called Love Letter. And this virus was massive. It was released and millions of computers were just taken down and nobody knew how to how to stop it. And the companies that were providing virus definitions, they were trying to put out one that works. And even if you had it, you couldn't install it because the systems were broken. And, and as soon as you turned it on, it started spreading. I mean, it was a disaster. And governments and businesses alike were down for a long period of time. Anyway, I was looking at all the technical information. And we were sitting around the table talking about it with our CIO. And I was a senior network engineer at the time. And I just said, I know how to do it. I know how to fix it. And I explained it at the table and it just went over his head. And so he just turned to me and said, Ron, just do whatever you need to do. Just get it done. And so I'm like, okay. So I deputized secretaries and application developers to basically execute the plan. And I created a central base where everybody called back, but it was open communication. That's what's key, solving any issues and making sure people know what's happening. And, and so within about three days, we were clean. We were the healthcare agency, which is an important function in an organization. We provide health services to the public. So three days we were done. After that, people looked at me a little differently. They saw that I could pick up the reins and uh, take charge. I was 
quickly promoted, which is hard to do in government. But that's really a defining moment in my uh, in my career from a leadership perspective. Yeah, I, I think response to a massive computer virus is certainly a trial by fire experience and one that really can forge leadership. Well, let me ask about this because with South Coast AQMD and with the climate, both figuratively and literally, we've seen environmental awareness has been on the rise. How does that affect the work of your organization and your department in particular? Well, there's a lot more requests for real-time data and requests for transparency and a focus on community-based emissions reductions, which ties into the California State Assembly Bill 617 to address air pollution impacts in environmental justice communities, which are really disadvantaged communities, economically disadvantaged. So we've been tasked to build solutions such as the mobile app, also real-time air monitoring and fence line monitoring and flare notification. So there's really, like you said, there's a big awareness and we're delivering. Well, and that that's great. I, I would like to learn a little bit more about the technologies that you're using in order to detect things like changes in pollution levels. You know, what are you actually using to monitor and then process that data and send it out in a way that's consumable to the average person? Right. So we have 43 uh, major air quality monitoring stations, and these are EPA regulatory monitors Recently, we were able to use low-cost sensors, which our organization created a, a special organization uh, within to just evaluate these sensors to see if we could use them. So we analyze hourly data from these monitors and blend that with National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration air quality model to produce a, a, an air quality index right down to the localized level. We have now more than 1,200 distinct locations. So... We're grabbing all this data and we're analyzing it and we're doing it in almost real time, which is pretty amazing. And to me, the cool thing about that is not just the immediacy of that data, but then the ability to contextualize that in a way that is meaningful to other people. I mean, as any leader in the tech space understands, it's one thing to have access to information. It's another thing to make that information meaningful to your end customer, whether that is a citizen or a consumer or another business uh, or even someone within the same organization. I'd love for us to kind of segue now into talking about emerging technologies. You've, you've mentioned one that I think uh, kind of falls into the Internet of Things category with these sensors you were talking about. Do you foresee further use of Internet of Things technologies in your work over at South Coast AQMD? Well, the low-cost air quality sensors are IoT, and we're using these devices. It's really enabled us to do more and provide more accurate air quality information. So I see it just moving light speed, especially when we have uh, the ability of 5G coming out, we're going to be able to pull a lot of data chunks and provide more information quicker and better. What I'd like to see is every phone and device have like a little air monitor on it and make everybody uh, essentially a point where we can grab data so we can better serve our communities. 
To me, that sounds very similar to the accelerometers that are in phones that can be used to detect things like earthquake shocks, for example. Right. So to have that similar approach with an Internet of Things perspective powered by something like 5G where you have that low latency and high throughput and you can get that data in real time right. so that people can very quickly act on it, I would imagine that that would be an incredible tool in your toolbox to provide the services to the region. Right. It's really near and dear to my heart because I was born and raised here. I mean, I'm a lifelong Angelino. And when I was a kid, we had smog days. We'd go out and our lungs would hurt from the smog. We had no way of knowing information that we're trying to get. Like, what is the level of smog? What, what are the pollutants in the air? What is the ozone? What is the particulate matter? What is, what's the carbon monoxide? We had none of that. And where I work now, this is what we do. This We provide that information. And the app that we developed, it gives people all of that information. So you can open it up now and see what your, you know, what your air quality is around you. And you can make better decisions on how to live your life. I also love that with this discussion, you always see where the little bottlenecks are in the road through technological improvement, right? Occasionally, your bottleneck is that the technology itself is lagging behind. Maybe it's more on the connectivity side where you need to have better solutions to transmit information. I think we're now reaching a point with the 5G rollout where the communication side is in a really good space. And I'm really excited to see from the hardware side, people developing things like sensors that could be incredibly precise and hopefully low maintenance so that the deployment of said sensors could be beneficial. Right. With 5G, it's a total game changer. We'll be able to collect and distribute data faster. It allows us to collect better chunks of data more often, a better user experience for our mobile app. We could potentially replace even our campus Wi-Fi and provide remote teleworking capabilities for our employees that's just vastly improved. I mean, we have a number of field inspectors that go on site to various locations. And with 5G, with that infrastructure, it's going to allow them to pretty much instantaneously connect with their office and the apps they use to do their work. So it's, yeah, it is an exciting time. I'm just curious, are there any other emerging technologies that you find particularly interesting or exciting, either within regard with your work at South Coast AQMD or just personally? Well, I mean, I can get into things like quantum computing. Um, Please. <laughs> I'll talk about qubits. <laughs> um, but, you know, things like chatbots from the customer service experience, that's getting really good. And every day is just getting better. That AI-based feedback, 5G, I mean, it's going to change everything from our phone to our vehicles. We're all going to be connected it's really transformational. Before I could let Ron go, I, of course, needed to ask him one more thing. Who in the world of tech leadership do you think is really killing it right now? Uh, well, Elon Musk, because he has just gone against the grain every time and is winning Almost every time. But even when he loses, he's still winning because he's proving that you have a dream, you have an idea, and it makes sense, you can go for it. I mean, he took on the automotive and the oil industries and changed the way we drive. 
they forced them to develop fuel efficient, if not completely electric vehicles and improve the world as we know it. So he's killing it. Well, Ron, thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. This was a fascinating conversation. I find the work you do to be really inspiring and your approach to leadership with that team focus, wanting to foster and support a team so that you can actually achieve the mission. That is uh, speaking to my heart. So thank you again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Something that really impressed me with Ron was how his love of tech informs and shapes the way he approaches work. He uses technology to connect people and projects, sometimes literally, and he gets them all on the same page. Leadership and tech are tightly intertwined in Ron's world. Teams without tech solutions will find their jobs more difficult, but tech solutions without a good team aren't likely to be implemented in any sort of meaningful way. And while things in the public sector move at a different pace than in the private sector, the focus and emphasis around climate change has fueled a sense of urgency in Ron's world. I'm really excited to see how the next generation of IoT devices will give us more insight into the world around us, potentially allowing us to detect problems early enough so that we can address them before they develop into serious issues. Imagine a world in which devices with a persistent connection can, through the power of 5G, set a solution in motion that addresses a problem before any human is even aware of it. Now apply that same idea to every industry and you really see the power of IoT and 5G. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any of our upcoming conversations with more leaders in the tech space. We'll be speaking with a wide variety of visionary tech leaders and discover what sets them apart. This has been The Restless Ones. I'm Jonathan Strickland. These days, new ways of working have become the norm, and the status quo no longer cuts it when it comes to helping businesses evolve and grow. That's why T-Mobile for Business uses unconventional thinking to help businesses seize innovation. Only T-Mobile offers America's largest and fastest 5G network, which makes their new WFX solutions possible, letting businesses stay connected and productive where work happens. See what T-Mobile for Business can do for you at T-Mobile.com slash unconventional. Open Signal awarded T-Mobile fastest 5G network based on average speeds. USA 5G user experience report January 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some users may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. 